Hello and welcome back, everybody, to Life Amplified from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for making a few minutes to spend with the podcast this week. I had all the intentions a week ago about doing a deep dive topic into the idea of God trauma. I believe that there are three beliefs that so many of my clients and and beliefs that I've had in the past about God slash the universe slash whatever name you want to give to your higher power. But there are three beliefs that we have about that higher power that keep us stuck, keep us in shame and keep us from manifesting our best life. And you know what? Maybe once I'm done with my initial statements today, we'll pivot into that conversation. I don't even know. I'm just pressing record and speaking to you from my heart because it feels so out of alignment for me just to do this like evergreen personal development topic and be the amplified life guy, but not talk about the current events that are happening in the world right now. The times we're living in, at least for me as a 43-year-old man, this is unprecedented. I realize that there are people listening to this podcast who lived through the civil rights movement of the 60s. I was not born for that. There are times I remember Uh, Moments of racial tension and rioting in the streets, you know, the L.A. riots around the Rodney King trial in the early 90s. But this is spectacular in the fact that that it's been a sustained effort that has gained more momentum across racial lines, by the way, seeing black and white and brown people and indigenous people coming together for a greater cause for reform. It's uh, truly been beautiful. And I want to address some of the topics that are happening in the world. And I think like many other white people, there's a little bit of fear of what can I even say to add to the conversation? The last thing I want to do is be another tone deaf white person who is missing the point on this. And there are plenty of them, both in the life coaching space, in my own industry. I've seen it in just other podcasts I listen to, sports podcasts, where two of my favorite sports commentators got together on a podcast the weekend after the initial protest and just put out like it was the most privileged white guy podcast I've ever heard. I was uncomfortable listening to it, so I can't imagine how people of color felt listening to that message, and I don't want to make the same mistakes. However, I can't be in alignment with my values if I don't use my voice and my platform for the things that I believe are important. So perhaps the best thing that I can offer right now is just to tell you where I stand, and that is the fact I believe black lives matter. Black lives mattering should not even be the baseline. I believe black people are worthy. I believe that black voices and perspectives deserve to be seen, heard, witnessed, and recognized right now. Which is why I didn't want to rush to put out a podcast right away. You know, I am uh, talking to some amazing coaches of color who have some interesting perspectives that I don't think have been mentioned in some of the, the bigger conversation that's happening right now in our culture. I'm excited to introduce you to some of those people in the coming week. But what I've really been doing since the last podcast is taking time to educate myself. Because I recognize that I am a white man who is privileged AF. And I think 
like many white people I've talked to, I've had the opinion of, well, I'm not racist. I, you know, I've always treated people of color kindly. I, I don't commit hate crimes. I'm off the hook, baby. And that's not what it is. I've been reading the book uh, White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. I, anybody who's been on social media, you've seen this book mentioned as part of the, you know, anti-racism starter kit, for lack of a better term. Uh, and it's a, an amazing book. But one of the things that Robin DiAngelo lays out is really the difference between prejudice, discrimination, and racism. And if you're a person like I was, you conflate them and think that they're all the same. And it's not really the case. As she describes it, prejudice is a set of prejudgments that we have about a group of people based on their social group or social standing as to where discrimination is acting based on those beliefs. So discrimination in action would be exclusion, ridicule, slander, violence, hatred, and a lot of things that I don't believe. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't believe I've ever engaged in that. And I thought, therefore, I'm like one of the air quotes. I'm one of the good white people. I'm not racist. And the thing that's really become clear to me as I've talked to more people of color and I've done more reading is that racism is not an act per se. It's not an act of discrimination. Racism is a system. It's a system that's been built for hundreds of years that it's invisible to me to even see it because I've just grown up in it. There's the old parable about two fish swimming downstream and they pass an older fish going in the other direction. And the older fish looks at the young fish. He's like, hey, boys, how's the water today? And the young fish are like, what water? Because the fish doesn't even know he's in water. It's all he knows. It's not until he jumps out of the water that he can even see what that is in the first place. So what I now understand that I didn't get before is that racism is a system that builds our economy. This economy was built on the backs of slave labor. Racism built our education system, our city planning, our health care system. It's based our voting systems. You know, this is what the gerrymandering debate is uh, that happens in politics. And like many white people, it's not something I've actively stood up against in the past because I realize I've benefited from it. And I don't feel good about that. And I'm not sure what the changes are that I need to make, but I'll tell you where I'm starting right now. Uh, in addition to reading uh, and educating myself, in addition to introducing you to some amazing guests of color, uh, I have one lined up for next week who really has a perspective that I have not heard personally discussed in a lot of the bigger cultural conversations. So I'm really excited. Uh, to introduce her to you on next week's podcast. We're going to be taping in a couple days. And I'm also donating to some of the anti-racist organizations out there. And I've done some research on that. There is a great link uh, that you can go to if you feel led to donate. And you can make a donation that will be split evenly among something like 10 different groups. We'll put a link to that in the show notes for you if it's something that you would like to participate in. And what I can tell you is, is I'm taking a portion of all of my coaching income through the remainder of the year, and I will be donating to those organizations. 
And I'll openly admit that in spite of those steps, it still feels on some level like it's not enough. So I'm still trying to find my way in all of this. But I had a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine based on the podcast that I put out last week about the science of getting unstuck. And one of the statements that I made last week and that podcast was recorded before all the protests uh, that have been happening across the country. But I made a statement that I said there is nothing external to you that can override your ability to create the career and the life and the health and the income that you want with the universe. And a friend of mine actually had a really interesting perspective. They're like, hey, I listened to the podcast. They're like, do you feel like an a-hole for saying that now that you see what's happening in this country? And the answer is, and look, I don't know if this is the right answer and I am willing to be wrong. And if you disagree, by all means, send me a message on Instagram, educate me, continue the conversation. But I actually stand by that comment that there is nothing that can override your ability to create the life that you want. And I think really the protests have been a powerful example of that. That when a group of people collectively rises up together and raises the standard and says, you know what, this is no, this is not acceptable. This way of life will not continue. And we demand that our voices be heard. Change is beginning to happen. All four of the police officers in the George Floyd murder have now been arrested and charged, which when you look at the history of innocent black people that have been killed, especially when it comes to police brutality, that doesn't happen a lot. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, we've solved racism, everybody. This is this is the end. No, it's one of probably 5,000 steps that need to happen. But, you know, we eat the field of kale one bite at a time. Now, what are the rest of the steps that need to happen? I'll be honest, I don't feel necessarily qualified to offer up the opinions on that. I'm not somebody who knows much about public policy or the inner workings of our government and police systems. But what I would like to offer to you today is a view of the current events of the world through the lens of trauma. This is the conversation I've been more and more confident to step into in my place and helping people heal. Because when any client comes to me with an outcome that they want to create, the first thing that we have to do is look at what's in the way of that for you. Sometimes it might be internal barriers, limiting beliefs, you know, a phrase that gets a lot of play in self-development. It could be for a lot of people, they say they have a lack of time, they have a lack of money. But what's really underneath all the beliefs that keep people stuck, it's trauma. Nobody comes out of the womb feeling like they're not good enough, but there are moments in time when we go through trauma and it shapes the way that we view the world. So how do we take the current situation happening with all of the uprising that's happening in America and look at it through the lens of trauma? Well, remember, trauma comes in a variety of ways. There is the big T traumas. There is, you know, physical, emotional, sexual abuse. There is neglect. And those are the ones that we typically talk about the most. But generational trauma is a big T trauma. And we've learned about this, that trauma can be passed on genetically. Now, that's what the science says. You can Google the word epigenetics and it's all right there. They've done studies on descendants of Holocaust survivors. And what they've learned is that that trauma of the Holocaust was passed down 
three generations. And it makes sense when you think about it. What is the nervous system or the body trying to do in these moments? It wants to prepare future generations to be aware of a threat. Now, the studies I found on epigenetics, the ones I've seen published online, are more about you know, the lineage and the descendants of Holocaust survivors. But guess what? Guess what predates the Holocaust? Slavery. So it stands to reason that this generational trauma has been passed down and it's invisible, right? You know, certainly for me, living in a pretty nice community on the beach in California, I'm not aware of it, but it's a conversation that we need to have. And once you move beyond just the generational aspect of this and the biological, literally genetic aspect of it, then we have to look at the impact of racial trauma. And that is a thing. And every time it gets re-triggered, whether it be Trayvon Martin, whether it be Breonna Taylor or eventually George Floyd, it's just like we are picking the scab off the wound. And once again, I am not the person to be educating you about the impact of racial trauma, but I do have a guest next week who is very well versed in this topic, and it's a conversation that I'm excited to have with her. I'm excited to learn. But all that being said, I'm listening, and I'm sorry that it's happened, and I'm ready to learn. Because, look, quite honestly, again, I don't know how we fix the systems that have put this in place. But the one thing that I do know with certainty is the process of how we heal trauma. It's one of the reasons my eight-week accelerator program has been such a powerful container for healing with people coming together in a group environment because there are so many people who are courageously sharing parts of themselves that they have hidden from the world. And the first step to healing is to have an empathetic witness, somebody who can empathize with your pain without making it wrong, <laughs> without invalidating it and telling you that it's not true, that you should feel differently, or in some instances, just ignoring it because it doesn't affect you. So I'm talking here in context of racial trauma, but this is the case for anything. If you are in a relationship that has been on the rocks because of the coronavirus and the shutdown and COVID-19, where you, if you find yourself arguing all the time with your partner, one of the great things you can do is just shut up and empathize with your partner. Empathize doesn't even always mean that you have to agree with them, but it's the act of putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And unfortunately, when I look at a lot of the online conversations this week, that is a piece that is missing. And sadly, particularly from my fellow coaches in, in the self-help community, because the responses that I'm seeing people engage in usually go one of four ways. There are a small handful of coaches who have just been sticking their head in the sand and trying to ignore that the problem exists. In fact, there is one very high profile uh, business coach who in her Facebook community shut down and started deleting comments when her community started talking about the protest. And it caused a massive backlash with her followers of color. And rightfully so, by the way. You know, just trying to pretend the conversation isn't happening, that's not really effective. And, and by the way, it's the approach a lot of members of my family have taken with me when I've tried to engage in the Black Lives Matter discussion. You know, there's some of them just get very uncomfortable. They shut down. They don't want to talk about it. And, you know, is if I'm saying that somehow 
black lives matter and that means that white lives don't. But there is a total sense of avoidance. I've also seen the people who are spiritually bypassing the tough conversation where, you know, they want to acknowledge the protest, but then condemn people for the looting. And they get into this message of, well, we just all need to be love and light right now everybody. Like, is there anything more infuriating? And and take, again, put this in a different context. Have you ever been through a breakup with someone who cheated on you? Or have you ever been like in a fight with somebody who maybe stole from you or embezzled money? And you've ever had like one of your new age friends be like, well, you know, you shouldn't be upset with that person and you should forgive them. And I know that your ex cheated on you with six people, but you should just do a cord cutting meditation and call in the gold in light of the Archangel Michael. (laughs) Like, if you were going through that during a hard time in your life, are you going to feel empathized with? Are you going to feel seen or heard? No, you're going to be pissed off. So we can't just love and light the discussion without getting in there and dealing with the messy parts. There are some coaches, I've seen a couple white coaches online that I'm on their mailing lists and they have literally sent out these emails going, well, let me tell you about the times that I've been silenced and oppressed in my life, which is making the conversation entirely about them and invalidating the experience of the people who are hurting right now. That's a terrible way to go. And then, you know, in a couple cases, producer Matt and I talk about this, you know, where we he joked earlier this week, he sent out a tweet. I'm paraphrasing the tweet, but he said Facebook is the place where every life coach is trying to outwoke each other. And there are some people in the space that are almost trying to play the role of the white savior and act like they have all the answers. And if you're not handling things exactly the way that they are, somehow you're less woke and you're wrong and you suck. And again, it's just more divisiveness, right? And I don't think, you know, and again, I am willing to be wrong. I am only going based on the conversations I've had. I don't think that people of color right now are looking for a white savior. They are looking for allies. People of color are more than capable of handling and advocating for themselves, and they are proving it over the past week and a half. So, you know, there's some places where I think we've really missed the point of the conversation, and I'm comfortable calling out the coaching community based on this. And look, some people can look at the fact that I delayed in putting out a podcast to talk about this and say, well, you were ignoring it or you were hiding. Okay, that's a a fair criticism. I just wanted to make sure that I had my thoughts together and that I wanted to create something based on having educated conversations and trying to educate myself the best. So that is the place that I'm coming from. But I believe the place where we are going to heal is to listen and have an empathetic witness to the suffering and the oppression. Because my guess is many people listening to this podcast, look, I'll be honest, I've had some amazing clients of color, black and brown clients, and not even to mention uh, my LGBT clients. You know, we're here in Pride Month and and I love my LGBT clients. I love all my clients. But if I'm being honest with myself, a lot of my followers, the overwhelming majority, are white people like me. And that's a problem too. That is part of my problem that I need to address. So what are the things within me that maybe have not been speaking to to the bigger overall conversation? That is, again, why I am seeking out the right guests right now and why I'm eager to engage in meaningful discourse 
and willing to get it wrong and willing really to make it messy. You know, one of the things that I believe about love, and you can take this out of the context of just the racial discussion and the equality discussion right now. This works in your romantic relationships too. How is love built? It's not built when we're all kumbayaing and everything is going great. Love is what happens when there is a breach or a crater in the relationship and we're able to repair it. Love is what is built in the repair. And that is my great wish right now, is that together we can step up, that we can be that empathetic witness that we can have honest conversations and know that acknowledging the plight of somebody who looks different than us does not diminish us or our own experience. And maybe that's naive. <laughs> and again, I am putting myself out there completely raw and vulnerably, and there might be some things that I'm saying today that are completely off base and are tone deaf, and I'm willing to hear about it. You can Instagram me at CSC Dan Mason. Send me a DM. I'm willing to engage in that conversation. But what I want you to know is that I want to be better. This podcast is not going to evolve into a social justice podcast. My core, I don't believe that I am an activist per se. But you know what I do believe? I am an ambassador for love. I am an ambassador for people's dreams. <laughs> I am an ambassador for everybody, regardless of your color, your gender, your sexual orientation, living a life that feels true and authentic to you. And I don't I don't care what your background is. I don't care where you're from. I don't care the color of your skin. That is the dream that I hold for every single person is to step into your purpose to live your best life. Because when people are living their purpose, they're happier. And happier people are better partners. They're better parents. Happier people are less violent. So all that being said, I was not planning on doing 25 plus minutes on the situation that's unfolding right now. But this is what came out. And I promise we'll get to the other conversations in the coming weeks. We will uh, do that conversation about the beliefs that you have about God and the universe that are holding you back. It's an important one. We'll get to it. But I also want to hear from you. What are the topics that would help that you believe would help you move forward right now with a sense of peace and clarity and certainty. And if you're a person of color with an interesting perspective to share, I would love to spotlight you. Let me know how I can best serve. And you can find me on Instagram or you can find me at my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with me on the podcast this week. It's I, I'm not naive. I don't believe that anything I've said today is going to change anybody's mind. I hope that it's opened your heart. And that is that's the great intention that I have. Open your heart, showing up with empathy and compassion. And if you listen to this podcast, if you've been with me through, you know, two years and over a hundred episodes, two and a half years at this point, I believe that you're a person with a great capacity for that. So let's come together. Let's turn down the volume on our negativity. Let us turn up the volume on our purpose and on compassion and on unity. I'll talk to you next time.